So, what should we talk about? (laughs) (laughs) After talking for an hour, huh? Welcome to RPG Ramblings with Jeff Jones. This is a weekly show exploring the various details of the tabletop RPG hobby through discussions with interesting people. Because of COVID recovery and some missing PDF files, we decided this week to punt. But hey, sometimes punting is the best option. But I better stop here with a sports metaphor. If I go any further, I'm in danger of exposing my tremendous lack of knowledge of American football in particular, as well as sports in general. Brothers and sisters, it's time to get rambling. Hello, Tim. Hey, Jeff. So on your podcast a while back, uh, I think you were talking about 5e. And I think it was a discussion that, um, I can't remember, was it with, um, I think you were discussing a on uh, Tanker's podcast with Joe the Lawyer and his brother. And I think you guys oh, were right. talking about, uh, about you guys, but I think the original discussion was about exploring in rooms. And I think you had a podcast talking about how um, it, maybe you could describe it a little better, but I think the idea is that uh, rather than just using a simple perception check, the idea is that people engage in the environment, right? So for, for finding like secret doors. So I don't know if you're able, this is kind of thrown at you, uh, but is there a way you can kind of recapitulate the, uh, what your point was on that? Right. I I guess the simplest way is what I've seen happen. Fifth edition, you're looking for secret doors. You roll a perception roll. Old school ones, you tell them that you're running your fingers through the cracks or throwing water on the floor to look for leaks or you're actively uh, you're actively interacting with the environment, I think more in the old school or new school, it's just based on a role. Yeah. So I've been thinking about that. And, and I think, cause, cause the idea is your version was more of you tell me what you're doing and then I'll tell you if you find something or what's going on. Right. Or yeah. Cause the way I do it, Jeff is like, say there is a secret door and they describe what they're telling me. It doesn't mean they're automatically going to find it, but I may, instead of their chance be going from one to, you know, like one in six chance of finding a secret door because they're doing it maybe correctly or in the right section, all of a sudden it'll jump up to three and six chance. So they'll still have to roll, but it'll, I'll increase their chances of finding it then. So I think the, I, I think for me, um, I think the advantage to that is in, in D and D fifth edition, they claim that one of the tiers of play is um, exploration, and I think that that leg that they that they promise is pretty much non-existent in the way fifth edition is set up. Are you talking about exploration as I kind of on that micro level, looking at things and? St- or, well, I, well, I think in general, I would say uh, more of a macro level, but I would say okay. that I think when I look at what your uh, process is and your expectation of players is they're in a dungeon, they're actually exploring the room and they're exploring the passage. Right. So the game at that point becomes about exploration. Correct. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, yeah, I mean, I guess it is. Um, 
I guess when I think of exploration, I guess I think more of a macro level, like you're talking about, like finding places and doing this. But I guess, and this would just be in a micro level. I don't know. For me, I guess it would just be more dungeoneering skills or. Right. But or, you're expecting the players to ask questions about the environment and yes. to interact with it. Right. Correct. Rather than just yeah. making a role. Absolutely. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. And and so, <clears throat> so I think what that does is it expects and anticipates, like I say, it's, it's actually at that point, I think the, the major point of play is exploration. Okay. All right. I see when you go that from. method. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, and I guess in, in your definition of it, I, I, because without, because I think that's the meat of the adventure too. Um, those where you want to have, of course you want to have a good plot line and you want to, or, you know, adventure, some interesting encounters and all that, but you definitely want to have that element of exploration because I think that part of it adds the atmosphere a lot of times of this is like the background of the adventure too I guess I don't know if that makes sense or not yeah um and I think that's important to build a cohesive and engaging adventure yeah and I think I think if you're and I think it's especially important if you're doing like a uh, a dungeon delve or something along those lines. But I think where this can be a, be problematic and where um, sometimes I think especially old school modules is that that they were set up in a way that, um, you know, you, you could miss things completely just because you didn't, you know, like there's something behind this. Like, what was it? Like there is a... Um, a wall that's been plastered over, mm -hmm. you know, like there's no way a person would say I'm checking, you know what I'm saying? There's a point where you can go too far with it. And I think the other thing is, is that it sometimes if, if you want your adventure to be about other things, the problem is you could also have players going through each, each door. I check for traps. I check for this. I check for that. I take my 10 foot pole out I slightly mm -hmm. open the door. The standard operating, the SOP. Yes, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That they start doing. Over that's, and over again. And that's why I kind of stick to my adventures being shorter adventures, because if you do that in a mega dungeon, then, it, then you spend most of your time kind of going through the SOPs instead of actually <laughs> going, you know, adventuring in that. And yeah, I, I mean, there's definitely a balance. I mean, you have to definitely... Uh, as, a, as any GM, whether you're fifth edition or original, you have to adjust and have to always be, um, even within the same adventure, you, you kind of maybe have to turn things around. One time you might kind of, uh, kind of feature or pay more attention on one aspect and then maybe the next one, you kind of switch it up a little bit or, or focus maybe on a different aspect because yeah, it, what you say is exactly what happens, especially like in longer dungeons where you, you know, like you say, I'm tapping the floor with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> I'm digging my dagger into the cracks to see if there's anything. I mean, in old school adventures, like that always takes time. And I'm sure in fifth edition too. Uh, I don't know how many people, 
use random encounters a lot of times because that seems to consume more time and gets annoying after a while but that's what they're i think in the old school uh thinking that was your counter you know your timer because if you did it too long then you're going to have these critters coming up on you like a pacing mechanism yeah 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 so you can't like if you do that every time and then you start encountering more and more critters then you're losing your resources on supposedly monsters that don't carry any treasure because they're only wandering monsters kind well of. and i think the gm start rolling dice because you're just you're you're spending time arguing mm-hmm. to help motivate you to get moving yeah absolutely you know, it's like okay yeah. you're taking a lot of time i'll just start rolling okay we'll get going <laughs> right right yeah because i mean the gm as soon as he starts rolling dice behind his screen the players always get nervous no matter what you're doing if it, even if it's the pizza dice and you're just trying to decide what you're going to get your topping yeah <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, th- I think in some ways the and I think that's where the difference is. And I think that there I think when your idea is that when you are in exploring a dungeon, I think that's when these things can become cool. And that's when you can put the fun stuff in. And as long as, you know, it's it just as long as there's I think the thing is what I do not like about um, old school D&D mm-hmm. and it's kind of carries over are the gotcha monsters. So, like for instance, you know, you're going along and you're, you know, you're, you're, um, you come say, all of a sudden they, they got a, what, a cloaker that looks like the ceiling drops on top of you. Or there's stalactites that drop on or piercers, you know, it's like, or the, the mimic. I mean, it's like, or the rock grubs. They're just like, they're gotchas. You know what I mean? There's like, they don't serve (laughs) any other purpose than just to say, hi, I gotcha. But they're, they are creatures of an environment. So if you go into that, like, like, uh, I, we had this big debate. It was, it was really funny. I, I got Joe with rock grubs one time <laughs> and it was one of those things. That, it wasn't anything I planned to do or whatever. There was just a body that was, uh, there and it was a planned encounter. And there was, I had rock grubs within this body. Well, Joe, like the power greedy gamer he is, has to search every orifice in everybody to find out, <laughs> pull every, make sure he doesn't miss a coin. And he ended up getting a, I think he got one or two rock grubs on him. I, you know, and I don't see a problem. Like if you're going through a cavern, that, that stalag, what are the uh, piercers, that's where they're going to live. And I and I get that people call them gotcha monsters, but I don't have a problem with them because it's just so we get things that look like gold, game. but they're really not. And then they get you. I mean, I think the thing is, and all, all of a sudden, if you're not careful, like like if you have one body that way, but we've got an adventure with a bunch of different bodies, then nobody's right. gonna touch them. Nobody's gonna say, well, you know what? I don't. It's never worth it. Well, that's and that's part of it. I mean, you definitely can't just litter. And then what would you do every, with future games? Every time you see a dead body, you're like, oh, it's probably got rock grubs. Well, yeah. I mean, I scared the hell out of Joe. He, he was, he was, he would never, he's like, I'm not touching that damn body. Yeah. He, he got, and I, and that was the only body he ever encountered. And that was the only place I had rock grubs through the year so, that we adventured. What's everybody going to do from this point on when you're a GM? They see a dead body. They're going to say, you know, I'm going to light on fire before right. I touch it. They're, they're I don't traumatized. even care. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's what can be a I think it is both a cool thing, you know, but then it's all of a sudden now, like if every, now you don't even worry about the traps on the floor and the traps on the walls, 
Now you got to take your 10 foot pole and tap every ceiling. Right. Yeah. The, 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 the danger can be is you just turn everybody into a bunch of paranoid, you know, crazy people. Well, like a good game master would maybe throw some clues in there. Like say you have your cloaker from a bug or whatever. And you come in the room and you see maybe a goblin corpse on the ground with his head sucked off. Or just weird droppings all over the ground that just droppings. don't look like it. Yeah, so that way you have your gotcha monsters, but at least you have something, some sort of evidence of them inhabiting right. the area. And I think that's the difference. I mean, if you walk into a pristine room and then like you have a horde of cloakers just like flapping down like rain on you and everything like that, then 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 I, I don't think that's... That's, right. I know, think if you work. present something that the players can without always, but I don't think you should always have to, sometimes it should be like a course, maybe say I stare at the corpse for a while and I push it with my 10 foot staff and you can right. say, well, you notice there's some writhing inside. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's got rock grubs. I mean, that's, that's fair, mm-hmm. you know, but I think it's, but I don't think at least the way things were presented initially in the old school, because I think they were just considered to be, uh, tournament style, you know, right. you know, and they then, were not had, really. Then you just had them like, uh, I mean, that was back when Funhouse dungeons were kind of in fad too. So you'd have random weird monsters 10 feet away from other random weird. <laughs> there was no ecology to it or anything. It was just basically go to each room and deal with whatever's there and try to get as much treasure and not die at the same time. Um, but with with fifth edition though you know the, you know you, you, we've got 40 years between you know the edition so it's definitely more sophisticated but i think with their perception rules because i use mine i use that kind of stuff just not in dungeons though i use it in, in, in any kind of adventure like if they're say they're it's an urban adventure because i love running urban adventures because there's a lot of opportunity that can be mind from there and there's a lot of things when you're dealing with other npcs or dealing with a situation where perception would come in handy and the players in that case i might have them just do a perception or i guess in fifth edition i might, might be insight or something like that uh, insight role would they have to tell me that they're looking at the guy directly no no but if, if i think that they it would they would uh see that on their own or, or something like that. I'd have them do the, do an insight roll, or I would roll it for them. So that way they don't know if they saw something or didn't see something. Cause I don't know. Sometimes I think those skill rules when the, when you have the players do them, it's like, Oh, give me an insight roll. Oh, I got a three. Oh, never mind. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't, I don't think that's a good way to go about it. I mean, just roll it behind your screen. And then if they get a three or something like that, they don't know. Maybe they perceive something that really wasn't there instead of just or nothing at all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And or you could. What I would try and do with other games is um, maybe they won't get full insight, but I'd still throw them something. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, you know, he seems a little shady, but you really don't know why. But there's something about him you don't like. Okay. Right. And it, yeah, because in, in my my game, a lot of times, it's not a matter of what you roll. It's not like you're going to fail. It's just how much information I'm going to give you at the time. Yeah. So if you roll poorly, like you said, I might just say you just kind of get a bad feeling about this guy. Where if you roll a 15, it's like, yeah, you're not liking this guy. And 
when he scratches his arm and everything, you kind of see like the, the thieves guild tattoo on his wrist or something. And, you know, give him a little, that next layer of description to, to go with it. So um, that's where I think perception rules are, are, are good. But I think in fifth edition, they rely, they rely on it so much. It cripples the game. Yeah. I think, I think there's a certain amount of, yes, I believe that, that is true. But I also believe that, as we talked earlier, I, I think they're generally poorly designed. Yeah. In a way that they don't I, teach. I think I can't remember who said they they don't they don't teach them how to do it differently. You know they. Yeah. Because like you and I have years of experience of uh, we have that background of of old uh, the older editions, so we kind of know to bring that maybe into our newer editions use all the great tools that fifth edition provides you but bring in some tools from old school that are still really useful to your game with it and everything where the the people who just kind of started with fifth edition normally i'm not going to say all of them but normally probably aren't going to have that tool set ready for them you know to to do that yeah and i think definitely having multiple experience with different game systems helps and i think just as you get older it's like you know, as you get older, you may say, just roll 1d6 and we'll just see where it goes from there. Right. And that's what it usually games break down to. It's just, you know, you and three, four of your friends, uh, you know, just breaking stuff down to the simplest terms because we're too tired from work to look up anything in <laughs> yeah, the rule like, book. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, I just, yeah. You, think <laughs> you might just say, you know, one's good for you and six is bad for you. Right. You know, yeah. good luck with this, mister. Right. Yeah. You know, that's. Yep. You want to be surprised too. You don't have to. I think that's just it too. As a GM, sometimes we want to be surprised. Yeah. You know, we don't want yeah. to determine to say, you know what? I want to know whether this guy likes you or not. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, let's find out together right now whether this guy is going to to try and do you in or he's going to help you. I don't know. Yeah, and I think that's the best way to do things. It's it's yeah, because like you said, you the GM wants to discover. I mean, a good GM will want to discover the adventure along with the players. I mean, they'll have the guidelines, but they're not going to know what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, or or how it's going to end. Well, the thing is, is it, it players will engage in ways that you can never imagine. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Well, exactly. And you're like, well, I never thought about that. I never thought that you would try and bribe them. In this situation. I never considered that. Well, maybe this will work. Let's yeah. find out. Let me give you an example. <laughs> <laughs> so I had spent all this time on this. It, it's an adventure where I dropped hints and different things that goes with it. And and I wanted to get these to get the party involved into this other element that was going on in the campaign world. So it started off with them trying to get the secret cargo out of a pottery guy guy was selling pottery and you know merchant and but he would always pick up this other small box that was never kind of since it was it was never on guild uh lists of you know type thing it was just sort of his side job that he did well somebody wanted to know what it was and and get the information because they thought something bad was going on with it so I thought it was a simple, and they, they didn't want him killed. Like, you know, don't kill the guy, just get the stuff and, you know, find out what it is and tell us. All right. So I'm thinking the players are just going to 
maybe try to muscle them or or maybe ambush them, disguise themselves a little bit. They did disguise themselves a little bit. They they disguised themselves as women, and then they they just kind of acted like they were confused and didn't know where they're going and and just confused the merchant and the guards with their Monty Python style babble. (laughs) (laughs) I I don't know if I spoke for like a half an hour because I was laughing so hard. I mean, they were just, they were all like, you know, they all sounded like, like I said, like the Monty Python crew dressed up like women, uh, you know, and confusing the hell out of this pottery guy and the so no there was no combat whatsoever i mean they just basically cast the best confusion spell ever yeah and basically got their cargo and took off (laughs) never expected them to do monty python ladies (laughs) right i mean it was was a beautiful and there and there was no rules for that i did the only thing i rolled for is a couple reaction rolls just to see how they would take it, whether they would be like, they weren't going to attack the ladies because they did it. They did it just, just role played such a convincing and hilarious way that I was just, that wasn't going to be an option, but I wanted to see if the guards maybe saw him as maybe they did see him as a guy, maybe one of their things slipped up right. or maybe uh, they just got angry and maybe would uh, manhandle one of the ladies I'm using air quotes, you know, just kind of, push them away and you know you got to get out of here you know we got to do this stuff but they so convincingly did their job that i gave them a big bonus and yeah they they were just they they just after they left with the cargo i think i think what i i kind of did a epilogue description of what happened after they left and i said yeah 20 minutes later they're just kind of standing there looking at each other going what the hell just happened And the guy didn't even notice that that cargo was taken because he just, it just didn't occur to him. And I think in that case, I think the old school systems definitely allow you to have that freedom to do something so freewheeling and non. Yeah, I think they, they kind of do, but I don't know if they ever instructed. That's the problem. Well, Well, that's what you mean. The old school stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, I think that's what you learn through experience and like, yeah, I think, but going back, I mean, because it was a different thing. I think we've kind of have cobbled onto things that wasn't necessarily there back in the early days. Absolutely. And, and, and we also both have learned that you don't need to roll for everything. Right. Yeah. Just because something happens or event or something you're trying to do, you don't always have to roll. You can just... Sometimes it's just best to let the action happen. Just let the let the let it unfold. Right. Don't worry about the rules because the rules at that time aren't important. Like I said, I made two rules during it just because it made sense that the guards might have a chance of uh, of uh, maybe seeing their right. through the deception. Like the, the merchant had no chance because Eric, the, the tank car was just in full blown, just had overwhelmed the guy, just completely baffled and overwhelmed this poor guy. I mean, he could have probably taken his so, money right off his belt and not even noticed and stuff. So, yeah. So I let, I let the role playing at that time determine the outcome of the event. Yeah. I think also tying back to exploration, it's like, 
I think the idea is if you're in an area, I mean, those types of things can also flesh out your area too. Yes. And the people. Yeah. 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 And, and, you know, and, and I don't think fifth edition does a bad job of that because it doesn't, I don't, I don't see it interfering with that as much. I think it more interferes on the, like the micro level that I'm talking about. Uh, yeah, I think there's two things. I think there's the adventures that are written. So I think I need to, to push that aside because that I find, uh, problematic in many ways, but you're right. As the rules are written, um, the, yeah, I just don't, I think in general, D and D's never had any good rules or most systems really do have good rules for, uh, social dynamics or combat. Like D and D's never had a good system for social dynamics or something. Yeah, yeah. No, they just they basically had their two D twelve reaction. Well, that that was that, right that now that was genius. They stripped it out. Yeah. That is like one of the dumbest things have ever taken out of the early editions. Was that two D six reaction table? That is yeah. like the most useful thing that should have been built on a little bit, tweaked right. maybe just a tad. Yeah. When I say tweaked, I mean a few modifiers here or there or yeah. in this situation do this. But I mean, that 2D12 reaction table, I think, is an utter, utter genius. And it, in like I, I mentioned before, it that sort of, I think, is what kind of t uh, pulled into the, the Powered by Apocalypse engines by using mm. the 2D6. And it ties in very similarly, you know. It, yeah, I use, a, I use that table often. Yeah, I like yeah. the table and yeah. just a simple, like you were saying, just an adjustment here, an adjustment there. You know, you get a plus one for this, plus two for that, or a minus one for this. Works fantastic. It's a very simple mechanic, and it can it can be used for a whole variety of things. Yeah, in fact, I even have a, a free PDF on drive-through if anybody wants. I got a whole thing I, I went through uh, in making that system available for all games basically oh did you oh that's fantastic oh, cool. oh. yeah so i mean you know it's the idea of of you know yeah it's it's just genius it's just genius i just i absolutely i just don't understand why and i think the other thing too is they did away with the ability for um so i think the reaction check also a lot makes random encounters more interesting Yes. Yes, I do too. Yeah. I think that uh, it's nice to have opportunities that aren't always combat opportunities. You know, you want to have abilities to, I know when I make up random encounters, I always, not always, I shouldn't say that, but I often put in random encounters that are inconsequential. They're, you know, like if you're going through a forest, maybe you find a herd of deer. Or something like that that you, you encounter does it make a big difference no but maybe you're for some reason your party's low on rations and all of a sudden it becomes important um or or just have someone a friendly encounter maybe there's a another adventure walking down the road that just got his butt handed to him by a bunch of knolls up ahead and he said hey guys if you're going up that way there's knolls everywhere watch your butt because we just got you know we just got wiped out by them and have helpful ones in there also well, it's interesting as you talk about uh, about like uh, these these deer. What's going back to uh, forbidden lands we talked mm -hmm. about earlier? Yeah, the way you heal your stats, the way you heal your strength is 
and take if you go below zero, if you hit zero, then you're actually taking bad damage. But up until then, you want to recover it, you have to eat a ration. If you want to recover agility, you have to drink water. Okay. All right. So interesting. uh, Yeah. So if you run out of food, you can't, you can't get back your strength. You don't have water. You can't get back your agility. Sure. So then therefore then that, because like in D and D a lot of times people hand wave the ration part of it. Exactly. That's boring. What do I really, yeah. It's like, okay, two weeks of firing rations, blah, blah, blah. Forbidden lands all of a sudden it becomes a vital part of the whole system then. Well, because also tied into your encumbrance too. Yeah. Yeah. so you're definitely going to be chasing down deer i guess well that yeah that's where that's instead i think there's been so many opportunities for like D D. I i think the problem is is especially i don't i think your healing is also natural healing is pretty low right or so, like if you want to if, in most D games except for fifth edition right I shouldn't say that. I don't know about 3.5, but in the earlier editions where you're healing like one hit point back a day or something. Pretty much. And you have to be in a good, you know, you have to be resting in a place where you can, you know, if you're out sleeping on the rocks, you don't get to recover because it's not like, right. you know, in the end where you're recovering it. And then I think, I think you, if I remember correctly, you have one hit point a day. And at the end of that week, if you rest the whole week, you get an additional hit point too. <laughs> so, woo-woo. but you got to remember, I mean, I mean, if you got, if, that was, every hit point was significant. Yeah. Well, yeah. 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 It's it's sort of like the, the difference, like five E's, like the baseball season. You know, if you lose 20 games, that's not a big deal. And football, if you lose four games, you're screwed, you know? So, the, yeah. the, you know, the, the importance of each point is, becomes significantly higher the less you have and of course in old dnd they went more for the the lower end where fifth edition is more for more high you know heroic type play but if you think about what it did with the old school is it um it actually forced the need for magical healing (sighs) Yeah, I, I guess if you did. took if you yeah. took away the clerics and the healing potions, right, you're done. Oh yeah, well you got harm, basically. Yeah. At that point, you're, yeah. you're recovering from stuff for weeks at a time. And yeah, but if you were instead to say, you know what, you, your healing rate's actually higher, right? But you have to have rations, and every time you want to he, heal a point of damage or two points of damage, you have to mark off a ration. Otherwise, yeah. you don't heal. That would make rations more interesting. Oh, I think so too. And I mean, I, I, and it, and because old the old old D and D's so stripped down, you could add it without any without. Yeah, but the problem is, is like you're not going to wait for. You got to wait a week to get seven hit points. You're like, I got to get a cleric. It's like, right. I mean, that 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 was the thing. I mean, anytime you go into a system, you have to expect you know accept its flaws or 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 uh, you know drawbacks of it and because i've run old school games with like no healing potion no magic you know so you're just basically fighters and stuff like that and i found that it wasn't that fun because dnd isn't built for you want to you want to play you know as much as they can heroes and get out there and shake off damage and you know get back into the you know, you want to be Conan killing giant snakes, or you want to be, yeah. you know, Elric's who's, you know, sucking people's souls out. You, you don't want to be the guy in the inn tending a boo-boo. 
Yeah, all the time. I'm trying, yeah. to keep it, I'm trying to keep it from getting infected. Yeah, yeah I still got a limp. I got a couple more rations I got to eat. Hold up, hold up. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. Uh, but so, yeah, I mean, that's understandable because like Harn's, you know, kind of kind of definitely is people who are playing Harn are going to expect that. They're going to they're going to revel in the realistic version of like, I got to stay in the inn for a couple of weeks to recover from this zombie bite that I got where in D and D I don't want to be taken out by a stupid skeleton who got lucky. And <laughs> well, the problem is too, it's going back to, it's like even with fifth edition, the promise was they said, Oh, you know, you can play this in a, you know, a low healing mode where it's, you know, magic is much more rare, right. but they, but they never gave any sort of guidelines on how to run it. Cause like you mentioned, those systems are integral and once right. you start taking things out, uh, it, it's not the way it was intended to be played, and right. things will not work right. And the players' expectations are not met then, too. And then they get pissed off, or maybe not pissed off, but then they get frustrated at that. And it's because I think a lot of times systems equals expectations. Yeah. You know, so if you're playing 5e, you kind of know what you're getting into compared to, you know, an, an old right. school. You're, even though they're, both Dungeons and Dragons, they are really different strategies, you know, different ways of playing the game. And, and it does make a, a big difference on be, trying to be, you know, you want to be successful. You want to have fun and, and have a. a, a right, but you're, a, you're tying into an experience, right? Yeah. And, and I so, think that, that goes with the system or like the, the skill sets we were talking about too. I mean, once you start breaking those down or. Or expecting or getting different things because I think a lot of times with the five E players, if you start some of them, I shouldn't say all of them, just just some of them that, that don't have that skill set, trying to teach them that you know, tell me what you're doing because a lot of times when I grab the die and roll before they say anything. What are you wanting to do? What are you wanting to accomplish? Yeah, it's like is you're searching for secret doors. I roll perception. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa! Just just give me a little short one or two sentence. How are you looking for secret doors? And then they get confused. What do you what do you mean? What do you mean? I'm like, are, you know, and then you give them suggestions and, and try and, and then if they don't like it, then I just don't go with that anymore. You know, if it's just someone who's just not willing to take that jump with you. Oh, that's fine. You know, we can, we'll just we'll just uh, switch it up a little bit and, and go from there. Right. right. Yeah, it's uh, and you're right. It does build expectations and that's where it's hard because, and, and you're right. When you sign up for a D and D game, a certain style of D and D game, you're, you, that's what you're signing up for. Yeah. And yeah. most people would be disappointed if all of a sudden the, the D and D game turned into a call of Cthulhu game and, and you just lose <laughs> your mind after the first encounter and you, right. <laughs> everybody dies at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> yeah. Everybody who's terrified and, and ran into the, the uh, ten killer lake or whatever it is, and goes to the bottom. Yeah, and I think it's true that somebody mentioned that. Um, I think that our expectations of the game tends to tie in with the media that we consume. So, like mm -hmm. you know, stuff we grew up with was you know seventies, sixties um, right. um, style stuff. There was no He-Man and all this other stuff. And then that and kids grew up with that sort of thing. And it just it I think at different ages, what your your media consuming, you know. Absolutely. Definitely. Yeah. And it kind of shows, I think, with the early editions, it's like it was very brutal. You know, it's like 
Your magic user has three hit points. Uh, you better hope you, you roll better for level two. You survived a level two. <laughs> it's, right. It's, yeah. Yeah. Because you got you you get three hit points, and that means you have a lot of hit points. <laughs> Even though it just means like uh, if you get hit by the simplest monster, these get you got a 50-50 chance of surviving. And that's it, you know, pretty much. But what's interesting is I think that <clears throat> but I think even going back then is it encouraged a play that was that was very artificial too, because we used to play that whoever killed the monster got all the XP. Sure. So what we would do is we would get something like, you know, like nine tenths killed. And then, yeah. Then we get the magic user to come and throw his his dart at it to kill right. it, so he can get some experience points. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> you can you imagine, like, if there's if you're like watching a movie, you're like the troll's almost dead, and everybody like stands back and say, you know, come on, Geldor, and he right. throws his dart and bling, I'm up at next yeah. level. <laughs> we need you. We need you to level up. We need you to get the fireball level. So we're just gonna hack it down, and then everybody, don't touch it, don't touch it. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, that's that, but you know what? That's fun too. I mean, it was though, fun. Yeah, yes. Even though it, it's it, just <laughs> ridiculous, it, it you remember it and you remember it fondly because that's just part of your growing as a gamer. But know? I think if you all played it now and that's, that's the agreement, right? You know, that's fine. You know, that's mm -hmm. the expectation. But I, yep. I but it, it is kind of funny what you start out with a war game, you turn it into something that's a, a narrative style game. But yet, it still retains so much of, of its game roots yeah. that you're you're still gaming yeah. the game. You know what I mean? It's just you're it, still meta gaming everything. Yeah. And trying <laughs> it's to, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, the magic user is only fifty points away, and uh, you know, we're, let's let's get this ogre and let's get him over there. Now he's got you know, now he got a fireball. So let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of some of the odd things we used to do. Uh, it was. We used to do, what did we do for treasure? Well, I think what we did for treasure is, and I don't know why we did it this way, and it wasn't my idea because that math involved, is how many hit points of damage you did to the, uh, so say it had, we'll just use 10 because I don't want to get yeah. too difficult. I did eight hit points of damage to it and the magic user did 20 hit points of, or two hit points of damage. I got 80% of the treasure, he got 20% of the treasure. <laughs> So then it became a, uh, you know, a bit of a battle on, and, and it was, I don't know, it was just weird. I guess it's the idea of fairness, weird... right? When you're young, the idea of fairness, this is not yeah. fair. Yeah. Uh, I just, I just mostly killed it and we split it even. That's not fair. Right. I did most <laughs> of the work and you stood in the back while I was getting smacked by this ogre or whatever. But yeah, all those little tweaks that people would try to do to, to make their their game fair. Or you just have, uh, back when I was younger, you just had uh, dungeon masters just trying to kill you. They had no intentions of wanting you to get out. They were they were basically trying to kill you with monsters and 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 I don't know. I, I you know I would play with them once and that would be about it. You know that's. Did you ever play? Uh... Rollmaster. Oh gosh, yeah, yeah. Is that so, the one where you lose your limbs? All like, if you get a critical yeah. hit, like limbs go flying. Yeah, it, and tendons it, get severed, and, yes. and, and now you're bleeding. Yeah, yeah. they yeah. actually added a much more reasonable 
table to that to the forbidden land. So they they basically took the, took that, made it a more reasonable table, and doesn't get rolled on all the time. But you uh, can you can you can decapitate people with that. But anyway, the um the do you remember the XP calculations? I don't know. So don't. you would calculate every mile you traveled would be a certain rate. Every gold piece you got would be a certain rate. There was probably a list of like 15 different things that you would oh, wow. do that would all work into it. what should have been a spreadsheet, but this was pre-spreadsheet days. You know, it's like right. you, you traveled 50 miles. Okay, you get 33 experience points. <laughs> right. So, and I'm glad you brought that up because that was a question I was going to ask you too because you might know more about this because I know 5th edition, I mean – I kind of see it like Pathfinders, I think I've said before, the Pathfinders Adventure Pass that they have. They have experience points, but they always want you to level up at certain stages. You know, they. so, I mean, I don't understand the use of experience points if you're basically going to level up anyways. You do, You wouldn't need it. Right. But they still do it though, right? Well, I think it's because all the characters show it and have it. And then if you look on your charts, that's what it is. But usually a GM will say, well, I'll just level up to level four. Okay. Level to level right. Four. Now, in their written adventures, do they give experience points for monsters and treasure? Like, what do they yeah, give? Yeah, I think they do. But I've also read where people will say, you know, if you look at the XPs, people have done the calculations, it doesn't add up to where you should be at the end. Right. So That's they don't what, even give you enough XP to actually be where you need to be to fight the pit fiend. I did that the other, I, I kind of, I can't remember which adventure I did that to. I went through the adventure or read through the adventure and like what level they were supposed to be for the next leg of the adventure. So it was just like the first, and I went through the whole adventure and, and even if you were a killer party, slaughtered everything and got all the treasure, you still wouldn't have been at the level that you needed to be. <laughs> for the next thing you would have had to go to you know if you're in storm giants thing that oh i gotta go over to you know the what is it candle keep mysteries for a little bit tack some things up and then i'll come back and i'll be a high enough level but i was just wondering okay so i'm not i wasn't making that up no i don't think i'm I'm just going to be this is just going to sound very uh, biased on my part but I don't think there's anything in the published fifth edition rules that are thoroughly thought out. I don't think there's one aspect that's thoroughly thought out. No. <laughs> Anything that I've seen, I'm like, I don't, it's like, I don't understand. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Okay. All right. Cause so, yes, the idea was, I think they, they tend to recommend you just level people up at a certain times, but they do keep the, I do believe they keep the XP's stuff in there. But again, the XP stuff doesn't add up to where you need to be. Right. So I guess that confu- I, that that confuses me. Then it's like you you put all this into experience points, which is sort of like one of the main things you want to get. But then at the same time, it really doesn't matter. No, it's kind of like like you know, like when you're young, you had those suits, and you had a pocket that really wasn't a pocket, or you know, it's just like I don't I don't understand this. Like, yeah, I guess they don't understand why they don't do the platforming you know like if you at the end of this one everybody goes up a level let's not mess with the xp why we don't need to do the math it doesn't matter yeah just kind of do i am wondering if they just kept that mechanic for i guess home games or and or just because it's that's what they've always had well i think they have to there's a lot with fifth edition that they have to do because that's what they've been doing so right 
that's what I'm that's what I'm saying. I think it's a mechanic that but what, like why in the world do you even have a why do you even have a, a number for your stat? Why not just the modifier? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, I can see that sometimes. I mean, I don't I guess in fifth edition, no, but like I know a lot of people in um old school kind of stuff uses the stat and do modify you know, or stat rolls based off of your so you mean like roll under? Yeah, so I hate that, but yeah, because I don't do like change under, my DNA. So if you roll under, that makes sense. But if you're not right. doing a roll under and all you're ever using is this the modifier, you right. don't even need a stat. No, no. Because that's all I use in, in old school stuff. Cause like when I do stat uh uh rolls, like if you need a dex something, if it's your dex modifier um plus your level. Cause I always think your level, because that's how I always how I see people advance you know well, as their abilities to so i think what you're talking about is a much more streamlined thing than fifth edition does with the proficiency bonus sure yeah <laughs> yeah but i think if you keep the levels if you were to keep the levels to like say max at eighth or ninth well yeah when you're talking about old school games i mean if you're eighth or ninth you're a king yeah you know you're pretty powerful so yeah so the because the like like Fifth edition is, I don't think, as bad as Pathfinder. But when your system basically outstrips the dice that you're using, it, you know, like when you're disappointed when you roll a 33 right. on a 20-sided die, the, the dice, will, you're, you're diluting the use of the die at that point. I mean, once I don't like that where, I mean, at that point, just get a, 50 sided die or whatever i mean whatever because you're, you're powering up everything but you're powering it up beyond the mechanics of using your dice to me you're diluting that that mechanic right. now because now it's all based on the modifier not on the roll in a lot of ways um we're old school you, you never get that high enough level really for for that to, to but if you get up to 10th level then you know you're you're rocking and rolling those dice rolls because they don't because if it's still based off a of d20, it's it's a, a huge significant because 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 uh, what is it like some of their difficulty challenges in 5e and and I'm throwing Pathfinder in there it's like you know you got a difficult level of 35 it's like yeah well 5e they 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 bounded it so early editions were higher but the they bounded the the levels of like your armor class is bounded pretty severely. Like I might, I've got a warrior right now. He's got armor class of sixteen. Mm -hmm. I can't, I can't fix it with my. I, my dex is plus three, but I can't add my dex modifier to it. Right. So yeah. it's like okay, if I want to get better, I need to. I mean, any plate armor. That's the only way I can get any better than sixteen is to really to go significantly is to go plate armor. So I'm gonna brag here. I, I got dragon armor now. I killed a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so my so my AC is up to twenty, I guess, for the dragon armor, and then, um, but I can't use my dex bonus. But I have a plus two shield, so I have a twenty four AC. Well, but I'm my, using the two weapon fighting, so uh, I, I I issue a shield, so mm -hmm. I can oh, sure. So if you roll the the secret is if you roll a, a two if you're using a two handed sword, it does two d six of damage. Oh, okay, but but you get that the benefit of the two weapon fighting you roll ones or twos you get to re-roll them re-roll them yeah i saw that yeah okay yeah that's cool but yeah. i lose two two points of ac but uh yeah. but see so we were, were going through this descent uh to avernus and we're we're 
looting a person's house. I'm not sure exactly the, the, I'm really not really understanding the, the authority we have to just loot this person's house, but we're looting this person's house. You're adventurers. You have the, you have the, we're policemen that we barge into bad people's houses, but we're also just taking their stuff. Sure. But under a premise, I'm not really sure that's solid. (laughs) I don't know. Anyway, there's a suit of mail there. It's like, Oh, I'll take the plate armor. And Lily, she wanted the sword. Like, okay. Then it's a helmed horror. Okay, not a big deal. Well, it's got an armor class of twenty. Well, I said, mm-hmm. well, it's a helmed horror. Is it? Is it just like the the helm is automated? Like, no, the whole armor. I said, well, is armor part of it? Because maybe I can just negotiate. Like, I'll give you a reward. I'll give you my chainmail. I'll just take your plate, and I'll give you, you know, something. But right. no. So it's got like a twenty armor class, which makes it like I only have a twenty five percent chance of hitting it. And then it's also like resistant to like every single thing imaginable. So it only takes half damage. And then force damage is what the cleric can usually do something. It's immune to that. And it can fly. I'm just like, what? Why is this random dude of armor in this person's home? Become an uber monster on you. It's it's a boss monster just sitting there. I don't know. I guess... Yeah. So well, anyway. now, now talk about gotcha monsters. Uh, yeah, it was a gotcha monster. Yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. That then that sounds like you know the GM's favorite monster pet gotcha monster. Exactly. Oh, you want that armor? Oh, it looks really cool. Right. It's black. It looks really, really cool. <laughs> it looked really good on your character. You get an eighteen armor class. Okay. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. The, the fun thing was that I didn't think this was going to work, but one character, because we realized we, we were going to kill it and it was going to kill us, uh, she had the command work, uh, had the ability to do a command. Okay. So, but it can only be one word, it only lasts one round. And so then I realized, uh, defenestrate, because we we're on the second floor. Okay. I <laughs> mean, to go out the window. So <laughs> it went out the window. Uh-huh. And that's when we learned it could fly. Which was disappointing. What I was really hoping was it would go out the window, hit the ground, and then we'd run up to the window and look down and it'd be like Jason or whatever from the or right. It'd be the body be missing. Uh-huh. And then we'd just yeah. show up at some random time we wouldn't expect. <laughs> that to me that would have been cool. Now see, that would have been fantastic. That you think been, everything's yeah. fine, everything's great, you're at the tavern and everything drinking it up, and all of a sudden it shows up and starts uh, chopping. I mean, that would have been cool. But no, be, it was that's that's that would have been such a cool opportunity to do that. That would be so fun. You could bring but, in like a little 80s horror slasher <laughs> thing to the game, and it's just this, and in a way, it's just this mindless automation, like you yeah. know, like your Jason and Michael Myers. That would be fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, it just it just flew, and so that was kind of sad. So basically, if you would have beat it up, though, it would probably have been destroyed and you couldn't wear it anyway. Well, so. I think I would have gotten it, but I, I don't know that the party of all of our characters could have killed it. Right. Yeah. If we would have rolled lucky, but we were, you know, rolling like 17s and 18s and and you know, you know with the modifiers, it's still not hitting. So it's like yeah, it's not. And if we do hit, it's half damage at best. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I, I learned about those resistances in 5e about like taking, I can't remember what we're fighting, but we were only taking half damage. And that, you know, and and like, you know, to kind of skew back to to the, the differences. And then I think that's kind of a, I like that in fifth edition where like these monsters have like these different things like that. Where they have, the oh, only yeah. problem is is what you said, like when they're, when they just become immune to every freaking thing. Right. 
And then it's just sort of like, oh, okay. But going All back right. to, we, we talked earlier uh, about the goblins. Right. Like that's a cool ability. Like, oh, they yeah. can disengage. They can pop up, disengage, and be gone. You're like, what? <laughs> right. What? Yeah. It's not an uber powerful, but it makes you say, you know what? I got to be very careful how I deal with this because it's going to go very, very wrong. These Goblins. little guys are now a little more, more deadly because they can they got a neat little ability. Right. That kind of reminds me of the old uh, member back in the day when they would always say like, uh, kobolds were tricky little tricksters and would ambush and attack you. This was the first time I actually seen it in action. So where, there's a know, dude who did a thing on kobolds and made him like horrific uh, tucker, trapsters. Tuckers. Yeah, truckers. Uh, yeah, truckers kobolds or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've never heard about that. Yeah. Yeah, they made them like these these little mean killing machines and stuff. Like <laughs> you go that. to their dungeon, they just they they are already set up to take you out with flaming, uh, what was it, flaming logs that would crush you and burn you, and you know vats of oil that would sp- I don't know all the things that they would do, but well, they were basically just like uh, you know evil Ewoks. You know, they just had traps all over the place. I ended up getting the Kickstarter from Douglas, uh, the guy who wrote the Dungeoneer's Guide, Dungeoneer Survival Guide. Oh yeah, Doug Cole. Not Doug Cole. Doug Niles. Yeah, yeah. So I he had a Kickstarter for a new one, and and I got in on that. I it kind of got in in the last minute because I didn't know about it, and I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, I I went back and forth. I'm like, do I really need to? Do I really need to? And just like, but I thought, well. The only reason I got it was because it was by Niles. If it had been by anybody else, I probably wouldn't have. Yeah, he's not the main guy behind it. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> don't don't burst my bubble there, Jeff. I was, I, but I think I it's saw, all done in the spirit of I it. saw that afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> I I saw Niles at first, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah. cool, cool, cool. I'll get it. Doug, would you just po- can we use your name and have you pose with your yeah, book? Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty much what I, it got me. And then I read later, I'm like, oh, shit. But, no, but, I think the dude who's doing it, I, I, I listened to an interview with him, at least part of mm-hmm. it. And no, I think he's, I think he's, he, he's intending for this to be somewhat system neutral. Mm, okay. And so I think, I think the intent is this to be lifted for any system. And so I think, I think it should, I think it'll be a good thing. Oh, that's good. Yeah. That'll be, that'll be better, more interesting than for me also. Cause I love it. Cause I mean, I do a lot of ca- cavern and cave stuff. So anything that has, I love articles about mining and caverns and um, any minerals and uh, gems, because I like adding all those little nuances that I can to make it interesting without making it burdensome. Yeah, because I'm going through because my my goal is to solely work on a condensed version of Forbidden Lands and then flavor it for Conan-esque adventures. And mm-hmm. then there's a Zoth.net and they got these free adventures on there. Zoth. And so, um, but I look and they're yeah, XOTH. X- oh, XOTH. Okay. Yeah. And then, so the free adventures, but it is so, there is so much words 
And it's also, there's just some stuff that just seems to be so, um, uh, what's I'm looking for? Some things are just so railroady that's like, mm-hmm. there could, there's a better way around this, you know, like. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. Or if it is railroady, at least do the railroad in the beginning, not in the middle. Right. It's okay to like get some tracks down there to kind of get the characters in the general direction where you want them to go and give them because it sucks to because if you don't do that, then the players get unsure whether where the what the hell. Yeah, exactly. You know, your prisoners, uh, you're you're in this situation, Mm -hmm. you're being marched to this area, go. Okay, we're good. Not to all of a sudden have all this thing happen. Like, what was the one where you'd like step all your, was one of the, the slavers? You, mm-hmm. you have all your stuff and all, and then all of a sudden you start the adventure. Oh, you don't have any of your stuff. Right. Well, then why did you even like bother with these? I mean, it's just like, it's kind of weird. Yeah. You know? And especially in a, in a Dungeons and Dragons adventure where uh, most players at the time, if you took away their stuff, they just killed their character. They would, yeah. <laughs> they would just do something. To, oh, if I don't, I'm just gonna kill myself then. I was like, you're gonna so, kill yourself, so your sword got taken away. Okay. <laughs> it's like, I would, what I would really love to do is we're slowly going through Avernus and uh, the descent to Avernus, and I, I'm almost tempted to do a podcast of <laughs> why oh. I hate descent to Avernus, and just. I still can't get over the bad. I just can't get over how bad some stuff is very good. And other stuff is just so, sure. so bad, so bad. And and like I said, you're not the only one I've heard that from Rob Conley. It was, it, I think he's still going through it or he went through it. And he, he had about the same things, the exact same thing as you pretty much said that it was just, it was, it's, it was a difficult adventure to get through it was almost like a grind yeah it's a grind it, every mm. so you go down in this bad people's place and you fight all these imps i'm not sure why there's all these imps and then you go down into the pantry and then the first thing that pops out of the pantry out of the box are three spine devils now why in the world would you have three spine devils in a box <laughs> in your pantry like what if your help's going down to go get food right like, <laughs> or i go to this one room and these two uh, uh bone devils appear there's people in the cage they appear and sting them to death and then i leave okay they're dead i mean like what possesses you i mean to just say i'm going to present something have these people killed who mean nothing to you right you can't interact with them and then once you find out the reason these were there why would the person even not just kill them to begin with why would you set bone devils there to be invisible to only kill them in case somebody shows up, but you still plan on killing them anyway, just not right now. It's like right. it, it just boggles my mind. Yeah, I, I, I know. I just the <laughs> like I don't know if you can see me. You see, like I have the the five E stuff like right there, you know. So yeah. I got quite a few books of them because I do like reading them just to know the. If I'm gonna bitch about something, I want to know what I'm bitching about. <laughs> you know kind of thing and i don't mind if i be i really don't i i, I you know I, it has its place and uh when i'm playing it i play it for what the system is and you know kind of enjoy it for what it is and uh but there are adventures that i've read i'm just like uh i don't know if i've liked any of them i mean the only ones i did like are the old ones that they redid would you do the? Did you go through the Lost uh, Minds of Fandelver? 
That was good. That was actually, I thought, was a really good adventure. I mean, especially I, that first cave. Yeah. I mean, that, that was like the most phenomenal encounter it, I ever had. It was like going back to the old days of like, you know, a, you know, because I remember, I think Rob ran through, ran through this and I felt like I was back in 1979 again because I didn't know what did what now. I didn't have that knowledge of what yeah. goblins do now or what you know because after you got it wrote in your head from memorizing the entire monster manual the the mystery and fear kind of vanished because you can calculate pretty quickly whether you can take them or not but when 5d 5e came out and we were going through and meeting goblins for the first time and they kept ambushing us and almost killing us every time <laughs> yeah. it was it was it was like this all of a sudden you know it's like goblins are cool again and you know it got really exciting about that and it's like oh we can't take these for chumps anymore we gotta we gotta plan this out a little bit better so yeah the the lost minds of found over was just probably one of the best I, I i i'm gonna say it's even better than like when keeping the borderlands was was included in the thing i'm, I'm gonna say it was better than that yeah so but even that 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 first in that cave there were so many options of what you could do and mm -hmm. it could dramatically change everything I mean, yeah. you get you get flooded out of the place or right. you could you can make friends with the wargs or those wolves or whatever or you could wind up being eaten by them i mean there's you could go down a chimney and and I don't know why they lost that. I, I think they're just with they got so involved with making these hardback adventure books and yeah. getting away from the. I'm I, the only thing I can guess is it's it's a financial decision. You know, it's it's they know they can make the most profit on the hardback books compared to making the, you know, the small uh, smaller. Well, because they're doing a less frequency of of. Uh... The frequency is much less as far as the uh, output. Right. So they only wanted to put out like two books a year at, or whatever it was at first. Right. And I guess it worked for them in a way because it seemed like their adventure leagues would take those books and do a whole campaign through there. And, you know, it seemed like, I mean, the good thing about that is it, it, it really provided like back in the old days, it provided a common experience for people to talk about. So if you were in Adventures League and everybody was going through uh, Descent into Avernus, everybody was usually playing at the same time because it just got released. And everybody was at the, the what's it called, Adventures League? Yeah. Was playing it so they could get online and discuss it or or whatnot. And I, and I, I, I kind of, I, th I think they borrowed a page from uh, Magic the Gathering a little bit for that with, uh, you know, doing these events with. Well, I think it even goes back to the Greyhawk uh uh, what was that called? The Greyhawk, where they have the different regions. I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about that. Well, one. yeah. So you'd, you'd be in Pennsylvania, and you maybe be the the you'd be Ket, and okay. then I'd, I'd maybe here in Illinois, maybe I'd be. Well, I can't remember all the different ones. Sure. And then each region would have their own um, in Greyhawk, their own series of adventures, and I didn't you could know go that. to, oh, but it would wow. be per region. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so you if I wanted to, and you could take your characters back and forth, uh -huh. but, you know, so if I wanted to go play in such and such, I would have to go to that particular region in order to play those adventures. Huh. That's kind of that's interesting. Uh, you'd have to write different adventures, though, for each region. Oh, they did. and he, But see, the thing uh -huh. is, the people writing adventures were, uh, they were, well, I don't know if it's technically true, but they were like volunteers. So you'd be... Mm -hmm. 
you'd be the head, you'd be a handful of people and you guys, you would have Ket and then you would have people and you'd write adventures and you'd maintain that hmm. and that whole, you know, maybe you get with other people, discuss things, but those adventures would all be in your region strictly uh, tied to that Greyhawk area. And those adventures would be specifically written. That's, that. a, that's interesting. I did. Yeah. I didn't know about that, Jeff. I didn't, uh, that must've happened later. Well, to tell you the truth. I mean, I was so out of the loop with stuff. Uh, this is 3.5 time period. Yeah. I was, I was still in girl. I, I didn't, I didn't, I kind of ignored D and D from second edition. Cause I didn't even know about second edition that. So I left like around 86 they were just coming out with the orange spine books, but they hadn't released a second edition yet. And then coming, and then I didn't come back until fourth edition came back. And then I, well, come back to D and D, but you came back to gaming with before then, right? Well, I was playing GURPS during that time. So, so I left and I came back to basically uh, the hero system. So very yeah, so similar, similar, ex- yeah. except I saw, I always loved Greyhawk. Mm, and okay. and then I noticed they had all these adventures. Yeah, see, I didn't I didn't catch any because I never did online stuff with gaming at all until 2009. I mean, that's when I when I got with the blogging and stuff. The uh, the only the only place I actually ever went was uh, Warehouse 23 for. Steve Jackson games to because that's when you could order the stuff the books off of their their website and uh, yep and they were and they were phenomenal I just remember ordering stuff from them and they would give me extra books if I ordered two books they'd send me three books here you go if I if I told them that my magic book was falling apart even though I had it for over a year they'd send me a new one at no cost and then I and then I would ask them if they wanted the old one they said no nope, punch holes in it put it in a binder and give it to somebody else. I mean, that's the way that was their yeah. customer service. So I was like, gosh, these guys are fantastic. You know, now, you know, not so much, but uh, now they just sell. I think, I don't think, I don't think they sell any physical products on their site anymore. I think it's basically just uh, PDFs these days. I don't know. It's been a while since I've been there. Yeah. I mean, probably the last thing they did was the, uh, was it Dungeon Fantasy or whatever uh, that kickstarted uh, yeah. as a fantasy version of Condensed? And those yeah, are pretty good. Peter writes a lot of those, and I, and I like Peter a lot. We've gamed together, and he, he's a he's a good, real good writer. Him and Doug. Although Doug's stuff gets a little bit too fidgety for me he, he likes all the little details and you know he's the one who wrote all the dungeon grappling and how to you know this whole system based on how to grappling and i just I'm like nobody's gonna use this dog <laughs> i didn't want to tell because nobody nobody wants to grapple i've got a sword why am i gonna put him in a headlock you know yeah i think i think what it comes down to is because but i think if you so I think there's a couple of reasons why it isn't because I think up until now, well, let's say up until now. I don't know why I said up until now because the systems normally don't ever give you any good reason to do it. Right. So maybe the idea is you, you have to subdue this person. You can't kill them. Right. But there's no good way of, of doing that. 
I mean, I mean, most people say, you know, give me a dex roll to grab him, give me a strength roll to hold him. Boom, we're done. Yeah. It's just, it's strange though. It's strange that there's never been, for the most part, really much in those kinds of rules, even though in real life, that's how things a lot of times will end up. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, like GURPS came out with that martial arts uh, supplement in third edition uh, during the third edition days. And I I can't speak for the, if they did anything for the fourth part of it, but it actually had a very, it had like specialized maneuvers to subdue or. um, Yeah. And a hero system has a similar thing. So if you want to do a a dodge maneuver, if you want to do a throw maneuver, if you want to do a knockdown maneuver and, and they kind of had these modifiers for that. I don't think, but D and D's the the D and D model I think has always been you hack something till it dies. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, or that you just do the subdual damage with your weapon, anyhow. Well, what's interesting is the fifth edition. You can choose to do subdual damage. Right. I don't know about earlier versions. I do know with axe, you're taking a negative four penalty to hit. I believe to do oh, subdual damage. So now all of a sudden you just disincentivized subduing anybody. Right. Yeah, because we ran into that situation a couple sessions ago about whether we were going to subdue this. We were fighting a, a dragon or something. Yeah, it was a dragon. Um, and uh, we just decided, you know, we're just like, why are we trying to subdue this thing? What do we, you know, learn? I, I don't remember what the thought process was, but as we were considering it, it just did not seem like a wise idea or um because you subdue the dragon you get him to tell you all his secrets or whatever or but you're not going to be riding around on him or you know if you land in the middle of a city with a dragon they're just gonna kill it (laughs) yeah well i think the thing is too it's like is looking at uh forbidden lands Mm mm-hmm uh, this system is set up where you can do, you can, uh, if you got certain types of weapons, you can pull people down. So if you've got like a bearded axe, you can grab somebody and pull them off balance and drop them. You can shove people. You can also change initiative order mm-hmm. with people. Um, so I think with that, the way that system is set up, um, I'm actually especially looking up your forbidden lands here. Cause I don't know it that well. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, so basically, it, you have a fast action, you have a slow action. Okay. And, and your slow actions tend to be your attacks, and your fast actions could be like your uh, your defend maneuvers or mm-hmm. the movement. And so you can, if you have a fast or a, I think if you have, um, you can interrupt if you have if your turn hasn't come up. And you have some actions left over, and somebody attacks you. You can use one of your actions ahead of time to defend if you want. Oh, I got to you. Okay. So what it does is it, it creates an economy for you to decide how. Even if you attack somebody, you may want to keep us. You may want to keep a fast action nearby because you may need to dodge something, or you may need to parry something. Mm, okay. Or you yeah. say, you know what, I, I don't want to do that. I want to use, I want to go ahead and use this and do something else to a person. So there's a lot of choices. And if you have a number of people working together, like just say you had a spearman, a swordsman, you could probably work out some pretty cool stuff you could do to an enemy, like a large enemy. Right. You could probably, if you had like two or three people with a giant, you could probably really mess with them pretty good 
um, hmm. even though you're outmatched just by through strategy. Right. Where I think, and it's not okay. overly complicated, but I think that's what's kind of missing with D and D is all you're doing is just your your only choice really is to just roll twenty sider and hack on something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Is it. Which one did you, did you get the box set or something, Jeff? It was. I got the PDFs. So yeah, it's. Uh, it, I, I see. It must be Swedish because it's in the. It is CR. I forgot what that's called. Crones or something like that. Or, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not overly fond with the layout of the book or how it's kind of handled. Their other books are better. It's a similar system they're using for Coriolis, which is a very cool setting, oh, and they. You don't know about Coriolis? It's kind of like, so. so think of, it's kind of like Dune. So it's it's oh, basically okay. Traveler, but with a very heavy uh, Arabian flavor to it. How do you spell that? Uh, C-O-R-O-L-I-S. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Yeah, C O R I O L I S. Okay. Coriolis. And is that you said it's more of a, a Arabian setting? Well, it's 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 sci-fi but with it's Arabian flavored. So instead of being like European traveler, it's it's I would say it's more close to Dune in feel. Okay. Oh, that's that also kind of, by Free League also, huh? No, that's by Modifius. <laughs> oh, okay. So it just keeps coming up on uh, Free League for some reason too. The other one was the no. So I don't think they're developing it for. Uh, I don't think they're developing it for uh, Modifius, but maybe they are. No, they have that one. They also do the Mutineer Zero. They also okay. the Tales from the Loop, and they oh the Alien RPG is also pretty stinking sweet. Oh, because that's the, that, mechanics. that's the one I you know I'm a huge Alien fan, and I'm always kind of interested in that but i'm just like it's one of those games where i absolutely love the idea of it but i'm just like when am i ever gonna run it you know i can't even run stuff that i want to run now so what's cool about that is the fear mechanic so Mm. the fear mechanic is a is it's been a while since i've read so it is a um push your luck mechanic so you need to you need fear to improve your roles but you got to manage it properly because if you go too far, you just flip out. Then you flip out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so you you want to use fear because you, you when you ever use that fear that you've got, it 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 grows. Gotcha. But you don't want it to go too far. <laughs> that's that's yeah yeah. I, I mean, I like those kind of uh, um ones where you got to really pay attention. You know, this can help you, but boy, it can really end your game real quick if it goes too far <laughs> yes. yeah i think the idea is kind of true you know the, the adrenaline puts you on edge yeah um but it's also the thing that can and each one of these games they the mechanics are the core mechanics are the same mm-hmm. but they do change a number of things up and add different subsystems to it so they kind of use the chassis for each of the games and then kind of then customize it for the setting that they're trying to exactly uh, uh, that's a good way to do it yeah that way there's a bit of a cohesive so you know so the system is cohesive kind of across the board and easy to adapt once you learn once yeah the, the way it works is you have your old six sider so you have a stat one through five that's how many mm-hmm. six sides you roll 
Okay. You have a skill that can go from, let's say, one to, I don't know what can go to, let's say five. Then you also have equipment dice. And mm. so what you do is you roll the dice, and all you're doing is counting sixes. Sixes are success. Oh, okay. All right. So, so far, so good. But you're like, you know, I roll. Mm, I didn't get enough successes. I didn't get any successes, or maybe I didn't get enough. Right. I'm going to re-roll my dice. The minute you re-roll dice, uh, any ones you roll on your stat will reduce your stat. Any ones you roll on your equipment will reduce your equipment. Ooh. So the it's, idea is you're getting tired, you're getting thirsty, or right. your equipment's starting to fail because you're just you're now you're you're pushing your sword to the max. Now you're pushing your shield to the max, or or whatever. Armor, which is kind of cool the way they handle it in the Forbidden Lands, is you roll your damage. And then once you roll your damage, you have, like, say, Chainmail would have 8d6. You'd roll 8d6. Any any uh, sixes you roll would reduce the damage. Gotcha. But okay. if any damage gets through, it reduces your armor by one. And then if you roll any ones and damage comes through, that additionally lowers your armor. So your your armor will degrade. I like that. That's, but then, I, yeah, I like that. Then you have crafting skills, then you can fix your armor and your weapons. And the, yeah, that's. I was just going to tell you, Jeff. I was looking up the alien thing on Amazon, and right yeah. now they have a limited time deal for the for the box. Free League Publishing Alien RPG Starter Set box set for only four thirty nine fifty three. For how much? Forty bucks, basically. Forty bucks. Forty nine or thirty nine. The starter 50. one. Yeah. So does that have the so has the core book and everything? Let me see what it says. Or is it reduced? I, I don't know if it probably has a core book. So because it's the the what I will say is if you ever do get the the book itself, which I don't, but I just had the PDF. Right. Is it is absolutely beautiful, but it's not overly friendly to read, just because the font, the high and the graphics. Art. I know that's. I, I mean, it's all style over substance these days with some of these things. And I just, I know, <laughs> yeah. it's just the the white, the white, creepy font on you know the dark backgrounds and all that. <laughs> yeah. yeah so it's in it. Uh, where is it at? It says a job routine time starters. Okay, so you get. 104-page rule book with fast, effective rule set designed specifically to support core themes in Alien. 48-page uh, complete scenario, Charity of the Gods, by sci-fi novelist Andrew E. C. Gaska. Um, and a full-color double-sided map with one side depicting charted space in the year of 2183 and the other floor pan plans for the chariot of god scenario 84 game markers for keeping track of characters motion tracker pings and 56 qual high quality custom cards for weapons uh, personal agendas and initiative in combat and i guess they give you some dice with it too yeah so the way it normally works uh, at least the, for Forbidden Lands, their initiative system is based on uh, a deck of cards. So you're only you're supposed to take out the high, just have one right. through ten. Okay. And then you can draw one or more cards depending on who you are. But if you do the um, the feint maneuver, you can trade uh, you can trade cards with your opponent. Oh, okay. So that's what I'm saying. You can get some kind of weird stuff going on with with combat. Now, 
the the traveler i mean you i mean the, with the you don't have to do the whole alien bit i mean there's so much that they provide with there you could just and they offer different modes of play for that so if you want to play the you know the full blown you know you're going to you know deadly you can't do that or you can if you want to play like an alien mm-hmm. the, the first one or you want to play like aliens you can play that version too where you, you actually you know got mach- you know guns you can machine things uh, gun things down yeah. I was just looking at the 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 uh, main rule set is thirty six thirty five, so it's a little, actually even a little cheaper too for just getting the. Uh, oh, that's cool. I put it in my list just in case somewhere down the line I my will breaks. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it easier to find. Yeah, but I'm just gonna say they they it is really a very fascinating take. Yeah, no, it I, sounds I, really interesting, and I and I kind of liked I I like the idea of the Forbidden Lands you've been talking about too. Yeah, it's um, it's 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 kind of cool. They also had another way of of playing the game with uh, hidden. So basically, you choose your opponent, and then you have hidden cards for what you're going to do, and you only reveal them. And what you choose could really affect what the outcome is going to be. Oh, okay. So. So you as a defender, if you're defending, if you choose to defend, that's a very safe thing to do. But if you choose to attack, uh, that puts yourself in a potentially bad situation. Sure. But it can also give you an advantage too. And so it's, there's a lot of, like I say, there's, there can be a, a, a fair amount of tactical decisions to make that's, that's um, more meaningful. Yeah, that's kind of, you know, I kind of like that when they have a little bit more of a meat on the bone for tactical stuff. Because, I mean, I do enjoy this, just the simplicity of, you know, just going in and whack, 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 you know, and doing that stuff and and whatnot. And just making up stuff like we don't, you know, like if you don't want to kill something and you're just hitting it with the flat of your sword, even though like an OD and D's, it's not a lot of subdual, you know, things there, but you can just make it up on your go. But sometimes it's nice to have those uh, worked in to your you Also the hit points for forbidden lands, you do not have much. Yeah. You, your, your hit points is your, your, your uh, physical trait. So it might be at most five hit points. It looks like the, the rule book on, um, Amazon's only $30, $34 too. Doesn't have the box set stuff where it has like all the cards and. So the, yeah, the cards would be handy. The other thing is they, I think it's set up to be a random, uh, they set up a special hex crawl method. And mm. I think the box set has stickers. So you, as you explore it, you're actually creating oh, your, your I area. I think I remember that then. Yeah, I remember the sticker. Unless it's another one I was using stickers. But I, I thought that was kind of an interesting way to do that. And, I, you know, I've got to get my own ass in the gear. This weekend, I'm, I've got a whole bunch of writing time i've got set aside to to get some because i got to start thinking of my zine as a whole because usually I'll, I'll do parts 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 and then i'll put start putting all the elements together and see what it's going to look like and like you were talking to uh your i can't what, what's your editing girl's name again Ray? 
uh, Jessica, Jessica Doble. That it's very difficult to write a zine without knowing where your elements are going to be, so you know what's going to fit on the page. And I always, because Ivy always yells at me for writing it in the the format of of the zine. I'm like, I have to. Because I don't know what art's going to fit where. I don't know where the maps are going to go. I don't know how big my stat blocks are going to go. And I want it to look right, you know, because every every page has to kind of fit, you know, and it has to. You want it, yeah. You want it, no, I know. You want it to look nice, and and you don't want it to look empty, you know. You don't want to have big gaps or spaces or, you know, but you you want to have those pauses in between different pages, but then you want to you know, smack them in the face with the full set of art, maybe on this page to really bring them in. I mean, it's almost, I almost, I almost call it like a, a, a zine sometimes is like uh, conducting an orchestra because you got to know the beats and then you got to know the pauses and then you got to know when to, you know, get the cymbals smashing in the background to really draw them in and, you know, visually. And you just have to work with it and, and keep them interested with the different elements. So that way it's just not a wall of text. You got some stat blocks, you got maybe some side boxes with item descriptions. So, you know, so it's different. And then you got, of course, your artwork and, and, uh, and just white space sometimes, just the white space, just to kind of, like I say, you know, that give it a breath. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I did with the because I've got the um, into the I think we'll call it into the the Madlands, the post-apocalyptic uh-huh. one. I've been working on the format on that one, and I haven't firmed anything up, but I keep pumping stuff back in and out without firming anything up. So then I get a better feel because I I do not want to go through sending her a PDF again. Oh yeah, sure, yeah, because you can get everything set up probably, and then just. Uh you know, put stuff in word and send it to her. Cause it sounds like she wants her word format kind of thing. Yeah. But I don't want to go back and try and figure out where it is in word and try and fix it in my program either. I want well, to. Cause which program are you using again? Affinity publisher. Oh, okay. Well, you should be, I think you can edit in that pretty fairly easy. Can't you can, but the thing is, is the format on the words not going to be this. The, if you, if you give it to her one way, right. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of things you're trying to find a comma that you need to add right. or, it, it 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 doesn't look the same, so I I kind of kept a, a a very close. So I've been using Scrivener. Okay, right. Which is a lot of fun. So that kind of keeps me my word counts figured out. Mm-hmm. And then I dump that into Word, and then I can also just dump it in text. And I just I just do some trial pages is what I've been doing. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. How many zines you got in the works in now, Jeff? Well, so I've got, I've got three. For someone who said last on it, they didn't like writing all that much. Sounds like you're doing a lot of work. I don't. I don't. <laughs> so no, the, the, so the end of the, the, the Madlands is probably the closest to being done. Oh, and then on. there's another one, the, the fly themed one. That's, um, I don't know, maybe halfway through. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about actually seeing if Ben Lawrence would help. What I look is because what I'd like to do is I'd like to just have somebody go through and um, amp up the descriptions. Gotcha. Okay. Just purpley it up. I mean, make it just a little bit more weird, right. a little more gross. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Add some fly goo into it, huh? 
Yeah, well, yeah, because mm-hmm. you know, it's like I can't remember the description. Like Ben wrote something about his his face looked like meat or something like. It's just like his ability just to throw in this stuff that just throws a you know non normal way of th- mm-hmm. of wording things that is just it, it's a lot more. Uh, it, it, it creates more of a mental picture. Uh-huh. So I don't know if he'd be willing to, uh, you know, what he would charge to just, once I have it written, just have somebody go through and just, you know. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, ben, yeah ben would, I, I can't wait to get my zines from him, to, you know. For, I'm, I'm waiting on I have. I think I've gotten one zine so far, maybe two. I can't remember from uh, the whole zine quest thing. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to Ben's to kind of get a, get a, read all his stuff. Well, we're hitting, uh, I think, hitting the, the time-space continuum, uh, Tim, so uh, I think we'll, we'll call it a night. Sounds good, Jeff. Thanks for having me on again.